When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, God. yeah. You hear that? What you told me? There's, talk- there's not a day that goes by I don't look like shit. You're just, just going to talk during my intro, Luke. Okay. I thought you we know, said I was hosting. No, we just agreed that I was because you wanted to admit, you said, do you want the show to be more fun Then you should host it? That's exactly the <laughs> yeah. conversation that just happened. I said, okay, great. And here we are. Oh, freaking yeah, Luke, we've got mail bags. And that's what we're going to be flaunting today. Uh, happy 4th of July. It's Monday, July 3rd. This is pre-taped. We like to tell you that up front in the sports, uh, in the uh, space-time continuum here. But you've stumbled upon Morning Combat. And while your other shows are on vacation observing the 4th, we are putting in the work to answer your friggin' questions. You're looking at BC, Brian Campbell, one half of this fantastic award-winning duo. Luke Thomas on the other side. Mikey Morms from CBS Sports on the ones and twos. Uh, Luke, uh, what do you have to say about the 4th of July? Is this this all about freedom and America to you or what? No, it's about where in the city I'm going to get a view of the fireworks. Okay. That is about okay. it. That's, that's yeah. very patriotic of you. I mean, it's a little bit more than that, but like, you know, I'm not going to do rah-rah stuff. Luke, is it fair to say that you, you not fought, but you put in time to help defend this great country at, at some point in your life? That's safe. To I say. volunteered. You, yes, I volunteered. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, you took money from it from Uncle Sam. Don't don't try to act like this was some type of like I did. only pipe I would not scam. say I would not say a princely sum if I could be candid, yeah. but yes, I was I got paid. Did Uncle Sam pay for the College of William and Mary or not? That's the key. No, question. no, he did not. So the way it would work is if you want to okay, I don't know how it is now, but at the time when I uh, enlisted, which was technically 1997, the way that it worked was you could do a four-year deal. All deals are eight-year deals, which people don't realize. You can do four active and then four what's called inactive ready reserve. There's lots of different ways that you can break it up. But the way I was going to do it was six years active, two years inactive ready reserve where they could call you up for a wartime obligation if they needed to. Uh, and you had to do the six to get any money from college if you were a reservist. So you could not do four and get money. You had to do six. So I did six. And uh, the way I was able to do that and get money was they give they would give me just enough money. I think it was two fifty a month um, for the months that I was in school. So I would pay for some food. It would pay for books, mostly, not entirely. Uh, it would pay for you know living things, but that was really about it. It was two fifty a month. Thank you for the itemized receipt on that one, Luke. Yeah. I appreciate it. This isn't Memorial Day or Veterans Day, but happy birthday to this great land. End of patriotism. Luke, we have solicited <laughs> our fans uh, and viewers to send in their questions for this whole bag right here featuring two males. Let's just randomly hit the skins for the hell of it, just for the yell of it. <clears throat> for the, for the smell, smell of, it. of it. Yeah, it smells weird, right? All right, Luke, let's start with at 69, Jimmy the Jet 69. How do you like that name, Luke? That's a real name right here. Dude, these people sign up with like the worst names, like Booty Eater 69. And it's like, yeah. dude, this is your fucking name, you know? Uh, Luke Thomas, how much better Bo- uh, Jimmy the Jet Booty Eater 69 wants to know would <laughs> McGregor versus Diaz have been for the ultimate fighter? Then McGregor, I don't want to say versus Chandler because I don't think we'll ever see that McGregor and Chandler. Yeah, dude, there's just, I mean, 
You know what's funny is the show kind of got started and it helped the enthusiasm for the fight, even though it wasn't made. They were like, all right, they're facing off, you know. And now it seems like they're just two ships passing in the night. Now, I'm not watching BC, but does it seem like there's a lot of, what do you want to call it, on-air chemistry between them? Uh, it's nah. just that there's just nah. not much there between them. They don't have much interaction. So the answer is I think it would be better, but if the, you know, it would be better with Diaz. It would be a lot better with Diaz. But that's not Mike's fault exactly, more than it is just like what Diaz has to offer. Sure. And uh, it still wouldn't be great, I don't think, because Connor's kind of checked out from what we can I tell. only watched two and a half episodes of the season. I did originally plan to review every episode, but man, did that go out the window quick. I I'll say that <laughs> um, there wasn't enough Connor, which is crazy because he's like the, the advertisement for you to tune in. There was a lot of Connor in the post-fight show where they ran a bunch with Dean Thomas and Rashad Evans, and they ran a bunch of Connor bonus clips of him just being out of his mind, challenging the the fighters to like you know exercise bike competitions or, or partying long in the house. But there wasn't enough interaction between the two fighters, trash talking. It wasn't you know Dillashaw snake in the grass, Faber versus Connor, and Garbrandt jumps up and gets in the face. It wasn't that Luke. Maybe it turns into that. Probably not, but I don't know if Connor and Nate would have fixed that anyway. I mean, is that show still alive, Tough Luke, in reality? Like, is it viable? Is it still there? They care about Dana White's Contender Series so much more than Tough in terms of actually using it to create new fighters. This feels like a, a Dana legacy project that it's still here, if anything, right? Yeah, I mean, Dana, I don't, I mean, they, they had a new, you can't say they didn't have a new idea because they did have a new idea with the contender series. Now they yeah. kind of, you know, watered that down too, but okay, they had some new ideas. But like, you know, remember it took, okay, here, here's how you can understand like why Tough is still around. One, they probably have like content obligations to fill in some kind of way. But the other one is this you remember how long it took for them to stop playing Face the Pain on fucking TV? You know what I mean? Like, well, I think the band wasn't even to get like long past the point of the band breaking up. They're still playing this on fucking intros. I do. When I first started, that's not first. That's not true. So after I took a bit of a break from MMA through college and got right back into it around 2002 or so. And, you know, they would do they would play pay-per-views. So I think I, I can't remember exactly when they started, but uh, around the 30s and 40s where they have the Roman gladiator putting on all their fucking gear while face the pain is playing and shit. Like it took them a while before they let go of that song. If they're not going to let go of a song like that, which like was so fucking dated and terrible to begin with, obviously uh, they'll never let go of something like this. Unless, you know, it's like Charlton Heston with the, with the firearm from his cold dead hand, boy, that's, that's when you're going to get that, uh, that Winchester rifle. Yeah. Time to end this suffering. I need a minute to myself so I can drift away. It's called Face the Pain by Stem. Thank you. Next question, Luke, is from at Jeremy A. Rodriguez. How often do you have to cleanse your palate of combat sports? As a longtime fan, I find myself often needing a break. It It is not it, it uh, so to not turn cynical. Luke, uh, we do this for a living. There's no offseason, but burnout is inevitable and in anything you pour your heart and soul into especially when there's bs elements of it and anything good has has a bs silver lining too uh what do you do to cleanse the palate outside of disgusting and gross uh search histories involving bbls and like ball gags self-loathing self-loathing is a very effective way of dealing with my participation in this absolutely horrendous industry no, I'm, I'm not uh, asking your morale, you know, your moral code on this. They're, I guess they're saying, you know, so you don't get cynical. Do you take a weekend off and watch only movies with the family? Like, is there, um, I guess there's, there's no off season. We take vacations. They hate when we yeah, do Yeah, I definitely try to get some time spaced in between things. If I feel like, ugh, I don't want to watch, you know, get more people yeah. getting punched in the head. But I would say in general, it takes a lot for me to get to that point. And also... You know, our job is a little unique. Like most guys who cover MMA, they really only cover MMA. But because we do boxing, I get to go back and forth. And plus, BC, you know, I've been telling you this, like because I've got such a gap in my coverage um, from years where I was like editorially responsible at MMA fighting. I've had to like play catch up on the boxing side. So I just I spend a lot of time watching old, like you watch 90s NBA highlights. I watch 90s boxing, basically, uh, to pick and then early 2000s, like stuff that I missed. So um so not it takes a while for me to get there but yes but all of us get there eventually you know yeah yeah um 
I mean, yeah, switching sport. I mean, I, what I love to be to be fair, what I love most about this show is it's really stupid. But also, um, you know, it's it's not just about combat sports. We are able to spin off and do some bullshit and mix it up. And I think that's what the people like too. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe you know, seventy five percent of our audience really are MMA P ones who come from your fan base that are like enough BC, enough dick jokes enough all that shit i want you to preview every ufc fight on the card and i want you to review every ufc fight on the card but separate from those folks luke i think our show allows me a little constant weaving because we're doing mk homework here we're you know joking about this here but who cares nobody's nobody's really watching this for bc me. i've 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 I, our show if we were like on wfan in new york we could do noon to three like yeah you know what i mean um yeah even with yeah, a combat, we, well, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. Let, and New York would never let you have a combat sports focus, not terrestrial radio anyway. But uh, we could do it. Like we could do three hours every single day, like no sweat. I'm hundred percent sure about it. MK all day, nearly every single day. Let's go over to at Fresh Prince of No Hair nine seven zero three. So he's a bald bastard. This guy, uh, Luke. How do you see a fight between Topuria and Sterling playing out? Aljo is obviously still at Bantamweight, but uh, he just announced yesterday, I believe, as we record this, that he plans to move up after the O'Malley fight to 145. So they are very likely to face each other, says the Fresh Prince of No Hair eventually. How do you see that fight breaking out? It's a good question. I've not thought that one through, but so I can only give you initial impressions. So let me think this through. Obviously, be, so you'd have Aljo moving up a weight class, which creates some unknowns about how he might perform there, even generally, irrespective of Toporia as a specific opponent. So that creates a little bit of hesitancy to be too sure about anything. Um, so you can imagine what he would want to do. He's going to want to – same thing at Bantamweight. He's going to want to box on the outside. He's going to want to find the back. The question is, like, what does his strength look like against 145ers? Also – Remember what Taporia did to Bryce Mitchell. Like he is not just a strong guy; he's a very strong grappler, yeah. both technically and physically. Right? He's and physically... Ryan Hall. Look what he did to Ryan Hall. Right. Tried to and Ryan him. Hall. Yeah. And then on the feet. Now, here's the thing. I don't know. It's actually a good question. So let me see. So if I recall correctly, uh, speaking of Buddha Eater sixty nine, Ilya Taporia has a sixty nine inch reach. <laughs> so let me see right now on the air. What exactly would the reach be of Aljamain Sterling? Because I don't know it offhand. Funnily enough, BC, 71 inches. So that would continue the trend, which is a 100% in place of Taporia having a reach disadvantage to all of his opponents. Yeah. So you could see there would be some issues there, maybe some takedown. Like, what would the defense look like for Taporia? I think, you know, he's too skilled, too strong to really succumb to being submitted. And I think it's a tough fight for Sterling. But it would be an interesting one, BC. Yeah, indeed. I'd, I'd love I I think... You could put Tapori, you could put any featherweight in there. The conversation is what would Aljo look like at a division above? Luckily for him, he's big, he's long, he relies heavily on his ground game. I, I don't think, you know, that change. I think he might, he, will he be the same fighter, Luke? I mean, you could argue the competition will get tougher at a higher weight class, but I wonder if he'll, if he, if he's the same elite fighter in both divisions. I know a lot of people are going to be like, hold on, let me see him at 145 against these killers and heavy hitters, but. He's not there to be hit necessarily either. He's a smart fighter who leans into his strengths. Yes, that's true. And also, like there are also like a, there's a lot of good grapplers at 145. You mentioned Ryan Hall. How about Brian Ortega? He's at 145 as yeah, well. Volkanovski, you know, is, seems to be skilled at least defensively anyway in that regard. So, um, you know, that's a that's a tough up. I mean, listen, going up a weight class for any champion is going to be difficult. That's a tough climb from 135 to 145. Uh, let me improv a freestyle question from at BC Booty Eater Campbell. 69 and a half, Luke. Uh, BC has a huge man crush on Brian Ortega, it seems. But Luke Thomas, what is your honest take? And this is me making up this question right now because I'm interested. In Brian Ortega right now as a viable 145 contender, where is he actually at in your mind? I can't look at it tangibly because there's too much romance there. I love the guy. And plus, I, I, I believe in his ability to find his UBL at any point in a fight. He's always a threat to win it out of nowhere. How good is he actually right now in your eyes? Very skilled, obviously. But for me, dude, I, there's a bit of a ceiling on what we've seen. Now, again, the fight with Yair ended way too quickly to draw any very broad declarations about his improvement. And obviously, he looked really good against Korean Zombie. And, and you know, he is like, I mean, here's the thing. 
he is very spirited as a competitor. His jujitsu is always going to put him in fights. Again, I go back to the Hanato Moikano fight. Moikano was fucking him up until he just wasn't. And that's that kind of thing that Brian Ortega can do. And he did it in the Clay Guida fight as well. Like because of that, because what you saw Volkanovsky have to go through, you know, in that sense, BC, you cannot count him out. That being said, um, I think he took a lot of beatings in his career that he didn't need yeah. to take. I yeah. think uh, between that and some injury time off, it has really hurt his development. So as skilled as he is and as dangerous, I mean, his jiu-jitsu is truly dangerous. It's not just a thing he's good at. It's explicitly really, really, you have to be very careful with it. Um, so that's interesting, but the striking and everything else just looks to me like it's it's respectable, but not championship. Well, the strike the striking is respectable. It's just that his striking defense is just non-existent. That's, but that's part of striking. I mean, that's yeah, like, no, no, that's fair. People want to separate them. Like they're, they're, your position and how you move through punches. This your 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 defense needs to be woven into your offense, yeah. not one or the he's other. Too willing to show where he's where he comes from, which is toughness, background, and and lean on that chin. But I think his will is stronger than his body's resistance is, and you saw that against Max Holloway. You just can't take that type of punishment. You just can't. You just freaking can't, Josh Emmett. You can't. Thank you. That was my editorial for the day. Let's go over to a question, Luke, from at Rustic Tribe Designs 304. Oh, I love those guys. Hey, yeah, they, Rustic they, Tribe Designs right there. They have created us some awesome things. They're still threatening to create us a room service diaries table, Luke, filled with MK artifacts. I mean, these guys rule. Here's the question. Luke, how many times are you going to watch the Arnold Schwarzenegger doc on Netflix? And they have a question for me. But let's hear, let's hear your answer first, Luke. Um, I got through about one episode and kind of checked out uh here's the problem and this is why like pumping iron is so different pumping iron obviously is a very different kind of documentary uh, in so many ways but bc i don't know what your appetite is uh i just even for figures of adoration like schwarzenegger and i've got multiple schwarzenegger things all around this room for fuck's sake right i can't i have a hard time watching documentaries where the person being documented has say over the content yeah uh, i it's just i can't do it it's the same thing except with for the last dog. stand with michael jordan he had full say and it was awesome all right okay but i mean he let it fly there a little bit and i watched the one with schwarzenegger it was interesting but even then like for example like one thing that was really disappointing from him in the first episode where he he addresses steroid use and he admits that he's like we definitely were all using which is true like of course they were all using and he was like it's responsible for about like five percent of my success yeah, right. and I was like, yeah, it's probably a little more than that, right? It's probably a little more than that, and I think you should be honest about that. So, like, stuff, shit like that, you know what I mean? Where if someone else was covering him and trying to do an honest job, but getting a more, you know, a less curated look, I think that would be a little bit more interesting for me because I'm not, yeah, I, I mean, I, I obviously think highly of the guy, but like, I'm also interested in his failures too, and like his downsides and like yeah. the complexity of him as a man, you know. You know that movie he did where he gave birth? That one, Junior. Yeah, I'm ne I'll never watch that, Luke. You know, I've actually never seen that one. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't interest me. All right, I'm not trying to give birth. I <laughs> I give birth three times a day after each meal, Luke, and it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not pretty to watch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Uh, the other question from Rustic Tribe Design was Brian, what's your favorite music documentary? Great question. I don't know that I have a go-to, but I watch them all the time endlessly i will say my favorites that stand out luke have you ever seen the eagles documentary that originally debuted on showtime and was three hours long have you ever seen that one i mean is that a serious question you think okay. i you think I'm, i give a fuck about whether don henley lives or dies <laughs> yeah i'm not a huge i like the eagles i'm not a huge fan though but it's just so well done and thorough that i love it there is a fantastic jocko pistorius documentary that just came out that was fueled paid for by robert trujillo uh luke who is what the he was the he was a bit is he the basis for metallica still or what's he's the basis for metallica yeah yeah he he kind of paid for this and and produced it and it's just incredible um the jeff beck one was fantastic that was on showtime a few years ago uh, did you watch did you watch the showtime wu-tang one i have not seen that yet should i get on that uh it's pretty good actually yeah okay. actually that one that one i really did like that one they went they they did that one well yeah uh, there is also a uh, David Crosby one that Cameron Crowe put out a couple years ago. That is, you talk about honest. It's so honest about Crosby's failures as a man, along with his musical brilliance. That anyone in in that likes that realm of music, uh, don't miss that one. 
many other ones though i, I love a good doc i see look i've always loved you know nonfiction more than than stories you know Don't dude tell me that's my I'm, I'm like dude the world is so endless i mean this is a poor this is a real i mean you should know that this is a weakness of us like Yes, this character of men, like the fact that we don't like seek out fiction more beyond the superficial. Like, hey, I'm gonna go watch fucking Avengers, you know? Yeah. Uh, but like, the, it's true. Like, the, the I keep like for all these books, I'm like, you know, every time I buy a new book, it's always a nonfiction book because there's always one I want to put in circulation because I find the world itself like so fascinating. But it's that it is shitty that we don't read fiction. To be quite candid, you can't make me. Although I am reading Dune right now, Luke, because I'm so fired up for the the second Dune movie coming out. Are you? That's all I talk about my house. And and are, are you into that? You mean, you mean Dune, poor Dune? man Star Wars? No, no, no. Original Star Wars, right? <laughs> that's George Lucas stole. He stole. If, if any, if anything, Star Wars is a poor man's Dune. But uh, indeed, I'm just, I'm just indeed, but. Don't watch the 1984 hilariously ridiculous one. Watch the uh, what's the guy's name? Denny Villeneuve. Is that the guy's name? The the director. That's just so brilliant. He yeah. All right. Know. This is probably a conversation for me and Web Scream, not me and Luke Thomas. But you better watch it in theaters, Dune Two. Will you? Yeah, I'll see that in theaters. Yeah. Okay. You 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 would you agree that while you won't do a full mast five stars like I will on Dune One as arguably like a top three movie I've ever seen, you won't you'll say well, what will you say about it? That's great, or that it's very good. I liked the first Dune a lot. Yeah, I thought it was very, very good. I enjoyed it. Sure. Okay. Okay. There you go. There you go, Luke. Let's go over to at Kaylin R. Zavala. Could be a lady, Luke. How do you see Tatiana Suarez versus Aaron Blanchfield if they fought at 125? Now, to be fair, Suarez is climbing the ladder at 115 now after returning at flyweight. Luke, who would win that fight? I don't know. That's a fucking amazing fight, and I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I mean, Suarez has, in theory, should have the better wrestling, right? But that remains to be seen, dude. Aaron Blanchfield is terrifying. It really would. I mean, here's the thing, BC, like, a fight like, like so, for example, we've seen good wrestling defensively and offensively um, from Aaron Blanchard. Let's say much more on the offensive end, but that's not her fault, right? So, um, so I, I think that you know she would be a hell of a force. But the question is not like would she be a worthy opponent up front. The question is like by the deep second round, maybe heading into the third. What is what does the wrestling look like then? Right. When you've used all of your tricks and now it's a little bit more about just kind of core fundamentals and who kind of wants it more in those grinding moments. I don't have any doubt about her commitment, but like the depth of knowledge and sort of wrestling sensibility that Tatiana Suarez has. How would that how would that equate? What would that look like deep into a fight where the the, the, the margin between them is thin but can break? I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. That's 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 why I mean, you know, we we, we get we do okay bet. We have no fucking idea what we're doing, but this is really one of those fights where like honestly, I don't really have a clear sense yeah. about what it would look like. I mean, it would come down to striking probably. So, I I mean, I don't know. Tatiana Suarez's striking didn't look insanely great in that comeback. It was more just about the deliberate wrestling and takedowns to get the job done, but can you take Blanchfield down and control her there? And if not, what does that boxing match look like? I'm not really sure. Yeah. I'd love to see it though. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, Tatiana is going to going to wear a UFC title. Are you are you prepared for that? Sure, sure. Okay. I mean, she should have had one a, a while ago. Could be to be quite honest with you. you know? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're damn right about that. This is from at Zeljaish. I I butchered that guy's name, but whatever. Luke, what is your dream vacation right now? What, what what's the one? What's the one mm. that you're like, damn, we got to do that. We get honey. We have to do that one day. We have to. So there's probably two different ones. There's two ones that my wife and I have talked about is like the dream one. Yeah. I think one would be a tour uh, between Seoul, South Korea, Tokyo, Japan, and maybe like other parts within Japan, maybe even Australia, like something like that, you know, um, that would be one to see those places but with, with a particular focus on Japan and, and Korea. The other one, which is a little bit more doable, has been one on my list. Uh, my wife has been to a number of places in South America, but she's never been to Argentina, which I find a little bit surprising, but it's pretty far. It's a, My understanding is from Bogota to Buenos Aires is like, 
I think eight or nine hours, maybe nine, maybe, maybe even 10, something like that. So it's, it's far. It takes a while to get there. I would love, I would love to go to Argentina, dude. I mean, you Ooh. can get close to, you can get close to the South pole. You can get pretty far. There's obviously coastline there. I mean, the food, forget about it. And dude, from what I hear, Argentina, especially if you have American dollars is dirt cheap, like super affordable. In fact, there was an article about Americans just like posting up there on these digital, you know, nomad visas, getting like plush real estate for like 600 bucks a month in downtown Buenos Aires. Like yeah. you just can't believe easily. You can, well, anyone could afford that shit. You doesn't know? that explain why my Donna never fought again after the two Floyd pay-per-views? I mean, why would you, bro? How much do you think he made off those two pay-per-views? Like 15 million? I, I would say he made 4 million in the first one because that was about what Floyd was offering opponents. And for the rematch, he probably made 6 million. Okay, so 10 plus some sponsors, who knows? Let's say 10 or 11 million. Dude, 10 or 11 million in Argentina is going to go far, far, you know? Um, so, yeah, God bless him, dude. He made some money and beat up Floyd a little bit and got out. Like, dude, that's, that's winning as far as I'm concerned. Is Argentina the Europe of South America, Luke? It is a little bit from what I from what I understand. From what I understand, like if you just look at the architecture and like who obviously immigrated there from Europe, which is, you know, direct descendants to um, obviously a lot of Germans are there, but, you know, plenty more other ones. Italians are obviously a huge part of it. Um, and they do speak Spanish, but they have a very unique accent and their food is very different. And they kind of see themselves, you know, they don't see themselves as like closer to Bolivians than they are the Spanish or the Italian, I suppose, what, yeah. from what I understand anyway. So I love that you said your dream trip is, or at least you mentioned Tokyo along with Korea. Tokyo is my dream trip, and uh, my, my wife and kids don't want to go. I want to go so bad, what? Luke. I, yeah, <laughs> I, maybe I need Mark Raimondi to take me, and we can go eat at uh, steakhouses that wrestlers uh, frequented back in the day. But Mikey, our producer, said he went to Japan when he was a POS 12-year-old who didn't eat fish. And he had a miserable time, but would love to go back. Luke, are you surprised by that revelation based on the fact that we left that steakhouse in London? And Mikey's like, hold on, I got to stop at Burger yep. King on the way He's back. He's like, hold on, I got to go to motherfucking BK, son. What you know about that? Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, and I was other... like, wow, you really are a peasant. My nature-based one is uh, Banff National Park outside of Calgary, Luke. Are you aware of uh, of you know the, the Blue Canadian Rockies? and, and the? I guess the... I'm not. Okay, well, that's that's where I want to go, right? Or Jasper National Park, not too far from there. That that crisp blue water and the oh yeah, it's gonna it's gonna change my life. Thank you. Hey, let's hear from at Matthew Thomas nine seven zero with that's Spence not Crawford. My brother. Not your oh yeah, this could be your brother. Yeah, with is he born in nineteen seventy? Your brother? No. Okay, this might not be him. Uh, with Spence Crawford coming up, do you guys ever see a scenario in the future where most or all divisions in the sport have one champion holding all four belts? And if so, how big of a deal would that be towards boxing making becoming more easy for casuals or newbies? I mean, it would fix everything. That's the dream, right? Like when boxing was boxing, quote unquote, you had eight divisions, you know, 70 years ago. And eventually a second title a second recognized title popped up but for the most part it was every division had one face one name one champion even though luke thomas we are in a better optimistically fun era at the moment where we're getting a lot of unification and undisputed championships where we have we're gonna have one face after spence crawford who's the best welterweight in the world if Usyk and fury finally fight we're gonna have one name one face the idea that all 17 of boxing's divisions could get there and have a reigning and defending undisputed champion is absurdly not realistic and the main reason in my opinion is because the four sanctioning bodies who are all all regularly under question from boxing hardcores based on their practices and decision making they wouldn't want that. I, I'm surprised we had as many undisputed opportunities right now. And, and the reason why is because in prior years, sanctioning bodies made that really hard. They'd force you to, to defend mandatories or give up the belt despite a big fight on the horizon uh, because they want you to be active with their belt because every time you fight with the, let's say, WBC title, you have to pay them a big percentage of your salary. And that's why Errol Spence Jr. kind of railed against them at the end of the Spencer Crawford Spence uh, presser. And I don't know if you saw Luke Mauricio Suleiman Jr., the head of the WBC, responded to that by publishing an article on their website, uh, supposedly about where all that money goes. Only the only problem is 
the article didn't actually mention where all that money goes. But we have seen people rail against the sanctioning bodies in the past. Both Canelo and Floyd both gave up titles ahead of big ones, so they didn't have to pay that sanctioning fee. But no, I don't ever see a scenario where we have one recognized champion. And the reason is because boxing is broken. There's too many people at the table that are surviving by getting their piece of the pie, and they will dig in and fight for that piece of the pie unless some type of central governing body was created that feels like a pipe dream for boxing just too it's too good to be it, no it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen no anything that happens to boxing good is accidental yeah yeah i mean sometimes the sanctioned bodies like they're doing right now they're getting out of each other's way to make these big fights but will that become a long-term trend no that no no they don't want one they don't want one champion with all four belts fighting twice a year. You, you know see, this is why I've never enjoyed nice things. It's because I always know this is going to come with the other end before yeah. too long. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can eat a lot of great food, but eventually you're going to have to shit, Luke. Right? That's what you're saying. You, you. I mean, there's a lot of defecation talk going on from that side. Well, actually, I should say this side of the uh, screen there. Huh? Yeah, a lot of right. lot yeah, of talk about maybe my haters are right luke my comedy bits are down to like three categories it's all i've got left luke okay <laughs> straw weights dicks and shit okay there you go and yeah, skits right. and bits don't forget skits and bits that's a that's a key staple hey did you see the guy from portugal the man did a red a reddit ama and and he got bombarded by uh skits and bits luke but i think he kind of called it on himself do you i don't you're you not aware of this i'm not aware of this all right all right uh, another another topic for another day let's go over to <laughs> At Jesse Brooks 9612, two-part question. Who would you guys take in a rematch between Volk and Islam? Let's start there, Luke. Do you have a who would you favor based on how close that first fight was if they rematched at 55? Um, I know the inclination is to say Volk, but I feel like Makachev would adjust too. I feel like Makachev would adjust too. Everyone's been like, oh, Volk would just tighten up this and fix that. And he would. That's true. Uh, I just feel like Islam would go. He'd be like, oh, well, he he couldn't go to those in the fight. That's true. But that's just that moment. Now, with the ability to reflect and train and come up with new stuff, which I'm sure he has, he, I think, would be able to get around that. In other words, like, I don't think the difference between Volk and Islam is in any way great. And again, I understand the arguments. I don't think they're strong, but I understand the arguments for saying he won three rounds the first time. It's not to say it's out of the realm of possibility, BC, but I feel like folks are sleeping on this. Folks love sleeping on Islam. I don't quite get it. Um, yeah. Even after he beat Charles Oliveira the way he did, you know, it's the still there's we're still here doing this shit. Like, okay, all right, I guess. Yeah, I would fa I would favor Islam. I would also expect him to win, but you know, you'd expect it to be a close fight. I mean, I didn't ever thought volk would come in and wrestle the way he did you know and, and stop the takedowns the way he did at times it was incredible the second part of the question from jesse brooks is do you guys think shavkat could beat leon edwards right now yes but i don't know how likely that is in other words um, I could see a fight where Rachmanov is able to play off the clinch and then into grappling positions and do well there. But Leon's movement is great. His takedown defense is great. Um, you know, his strike selection is really superb, obviously. I, I think he could beat Leon. Like, I don't think the gap between them is so big that that's impossible. But I would favor Leon to win. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, isn't Shavkat coming off a performance in which he looked a little human? Can, I, can you rack my brain for me? Yeah, he fought um, Jeff Neal. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, it's part of the process. Yeah. You know what, Luke? Strength versus strength. I mean, I guess if they're asking if they fought right now, but I'm, I guess I'm saying, you know, what if they fought in a year? I'd favor Shavkat to win. Is that crazy? Yeah, today I think it's today I give it to Edwards. In a year, it's much harder to say. Yeah, right yeah. now it's tough to say. And Edwards is operating right now at a very high level in the Dude, middle of that, that top ten. Pop pe pop. People were like, "Oh, Kamaru slowed down in the second fight." Okay, a little. All right, fine. I'm not gonna say that's not true. It's true. But get the fuck out of here with this. Like, I have yeah. been a skeptic of Leon Edwards. Not that I didn't know he was good. I knew he was good, but I didn't think he was championship good. And for the most part, in the first fight, he really wasn't. But then. Dude, in the second fight, like, Kamaru didn't fall off a cliff. He got a little bit older, somewhat noticeable. That was a 
just a masterful performance by a guy who brought all the forces of his game together to really shine. Like it just, I, I, I mean, of all the times to doubt Leon Edwards after the second Kamaru fight is truly the worst time you could pick. What about if, I mean, like, cause Kamaru can't wrestle the same amount he could like back in the Woodley days, right? When he was coming up to, for the title, he can't. He sure. He, did. he was just fighting lesser competition, trying to move up. I mean, but he was wrestling exclusively in those times for the most part and ground and pounding. Then with Trevor Whitman, his striking came around and then it looked like for a bit he was leaning too hard on the striking. And now at his advanced age, Luke, I'm wondering if he actually can pull off a full wrestling based attack over 25 minutes. I don't I mean, who can even even Habib, right. even Habib had to slow down against Iaquinta in the last two rounds, right? Eddie, Eddie Alvarez once told me, and I think, you know, this is, uh, you know, not a hardcore truth, but a, probably a pretty truthful way of looking at it, which is he goes, Luke, you can in a, in a five round fight, you can wrestle max three rounds. So you got to yeah. figure out what you're going to do with the other 10. That's and I was like, point. that's probably a pretty good way of looking at it. You know, when you, now, now, he didn't mean like you were only going to wrestle the first three and strike the last two. He just meant you got about a good 15 minutes of hardcore wrestling. After that, you got to figure it out, you know. I like when he says your name before saying that it adds like poignancy to it, Luke, like he respects you. Like Luke, I remember, I remember he did it on air and it kind of like, was was just an interesting way of saying it, you know? Yeah. Uh, Let's go over to at 115th dream nine. Is that a combination of John Lennon and Bob Dylan songs put into one title? I don't know. Can you please do an RSD with Ty Tuivasa? That would be the best episode ever. And I'm curious, what questions would you ask him? Luke? Uh, I mean, it'd be great. I mean, it'd be great. Why would you bother with any of that? Like, I guess I would ask him a little bit about growing up, the particulars of how he grew up. But mostly I'm going to be like, how many beers have you had in one yeah. night? How many times have you shit yourself? You know, I want I want to know about the excess. That's what I want to know about. Yeah, there's yeah. no question. So like how many that. times, like in BC's description, Big John, how many times have you just destroyed a commode in Tokyo? <laughs> you know, I'd love yeah. to know about bar fights. You know, that guy's gotten into a ton of them too, right? Dude, how many times have somebody broken things, someone's broken shit over his head and then regretted it? You know, yeah, he looks like yeah, that kind of guy. Uh, at Landon Bolin one three six, who will be champion at Bantamweight by the start of twenty twenty four? Jesus, who the hell knows? Okay, so let's think about this through. It's August. If Sterling wins, he's not fighting again this year, right? Like the guy is already fighting on an expedited timeline. Now, I'm not saying that they wouldn't introduce a, a, a interim title just to fuck with him, but in terms of him. If he wins, it would be like he, he's not going to fight again, right? There's just no way. Well, he's not going to fight at bantamweight again, according to his words. If he if win or lose, he's no matter what, that's what he said yesterday, I believe. Now, mm-hmm. if he if he loses, does that change things? I don't know. I mean, Marab's still there, and that seems to be the reason. Lucas, does Sterling have a hard cut at a really hard cut at bantamweight or a regular hard cut? I think he's got you know? a pretty tough one. I, th- I mean, he makes it because he's, you know, he's that good or whatever. But yeah, I think it's pretty tough. Um, so let's so like it could be win or lose the titles. You know, I mean, if O'Malley beats him, O'Malley's the new champion. But we got what three big fights in the title picture coming up. What's your best guess of who starts the new year with the belt? At one thirty-five. Yeah. So, so I guess we're saying that either O'Malley would defend, let's say December. And that would decide it if he wins or there would be a vacant fight at the end of the year. Dude, would O'Malley defend it four months later? Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. You're right. That's, I mean, not. I just see these, th- here's the thing. Like, here's the thing the UFC is doing that I think is kind of like, like confusing people a little bit or like tricking them. I mean, I'm not saying they're trying to trick, but like the point I might make is like we, on this show, for example, we'll be like, Oh, look at all these fights they announced, but like, they're just spreading that over like a wide, like net. It's not, they're not all concentrated on the same ones. Now, sometimes they are, but a lot of times they're spread out. So it's like, uh, I, I feel like if, if I don't know, four months just seems like a really doable turn. We, we've seen turnarounds much shorter than that one, even for championship fights. But I, if you don't have to, why would you, you know? Yeah, you're right. I think the, the better question based on the timing issue, in my opinion, would be next summer, one year from now, who's the Bantamweight champion? Um, that's the better question, Luke, because on that point, Sterling's way gone, win or lose. And I might say Marab. Really, I might say Marab. Yeah, still don't know. probably in that, in that case. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, Segudo's got what? Cheeto coming up. San Hagen's got who? Look. He's got He's got Umar. Umar. Fuck. Oh, Umar. God, it could be Umar by that point, for all we know. Damn. Yeah. All That's right. Like, those are two very, very tough fights. Two very yeah, tough yeah. fights. Very, let's hear four from, very tough guys. Let's hear from at screw you underscore. The end of that name, Luke. <laughs> Really I nice. Do it a lot. The, yeah, I really. do it a lot. Wow, that's pretty gross. <laughs> uh, another fantasy matchup question about boxing for BC. Yes, if there was a super series created with each fighter meeting another one, with the likes of Bernard Hopkins, Triple G, Marvin Hagler, Ray Leonard, Canelo, Sergio Martinez, Thomas Hearns, and Kelly Pavlik, who would go on to win it? Now, I guess we're saying if these were all the middleweight versions of themselves. And furthermore, would anyone out of the eight go undefeated in these matchups? So, Luke, let's say we have a mythical middleweight tournament. B-Hop, Golovkin, Hagler, Leonard, Canelo, Sergio Martinez, Thomas the Hitman Hearns, Kelly Pavlik. I mean, this is basically I mean, a question. Of, I mean, Ke- what, what is Kelly Pavlik doing in there? Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love, I love Kelly Pavlik. That Jermaine Taylor, the first fight was amazing. Um, I'm not, listen, look, I'm not saying he wasn't a good boxer, but I mean, we're talking about Hagler and Canelo. Pavlik, yeah. you know, it was a separate conversation. All right. Who's the favorite? It's Hagler, right? He did lose that. Hagler is my guy. 100%. He did lose that middleweight to Ray Leonard, who is also in this conversation. Very controversial. Very controversial. Could Ray Leonard do that twice or three times? I don't know. Hagler is the best middleweight of all time in my estimation. I do think Triple G came close for a while there, Luke. You know, he, he, he tied the record for middleweight defenses with 20. I mean, Triple G is an peak. Triple G is a problem for every person that ever walked on this planet. Big drama but, show. But Hagler can switch stances. He can box as well as he can fight. And he has a chin and a backbone and a will like few in history. I'm thinking Hagler comes out of this tournament. I don't know if anyone goes unbeaten. Now, I guess he's saying this would be a double elimination super. Okay. So remember the Showtime uh, Super Six Super Middleweight Tournament, Luke, that Andre Ward won? You were allowed losses in that. That was a round-robin tournament, and then I guess the guys with the best records fought each other in the finals, if if I'm correctly recalling. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there was a semifinals in there. Under this scenario, I like Hagler to win this tournament, but does he go undefeated in your eyes? On any given day, could Hopkins, Triple G, Canelo, you know, Tommy Hearns was a great middleweight. Even well, though I mean, he- listen, the story in my mind of the Leonard fight, I know a lot of people scored for Leonard. That's fine. I don't. I scored for Hagler. And so in a world where that has already happened, of course he could lose. I mean, he, yeah. I think he is, I think he wins that, but it, he doesn't like dominate everyone. You know, those are competitive close fights in a few different directions. So no, I don't think right, you can if, say that. What about can, the Canelo from 2019? Now, granted that was at one, six, eight, but that guy who was so efficient walking down and destroying Billy Joe Saunders and Caleb plant and Cal- Callum Smith, what does that guy do against Tagler? Is he in the fight, Luke? I mean, that's a. That's I think a... he gets. I think he gets outworked. Very I think he gets outworked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hell. I mean, Hagler's chin is insane. It is just insane. Um, love that question. Canelo does that shit. Canelo goes and fights and flurries, and then takes a little bit of time, and then goes and you know throws a combo and takes some time. I think Hagler would be just on you. Right? Yeah, yeah. It just takes some time. Is that Jimmy Eat World, Luke? Jimmy Eat World. Boy, that was a 90s high school yeah. radio fucking jam all the time. Yeah, I bet you Jimmy ate ass too, Luke. I mean, let's just keep that trend going. All right, there you go. Let's go over to at Ski Sonic. When I ran track, the boxers in which I won my first race against henceforth became my, quote, lucky drawers. Oh, he's talking about, oh, sorry, Luke. He's talking about the underwear, not the physical boxers. Yeah, I don't need to know this. You can actually stop this question here. Uh have you ever owned a so-called lucky garment or trinket? How did it become imbued with such power? I didn't win any races after that for the record and ruining track in oh, running track in boxers sucks. Yeah. First of all, don't run track in boxer shorts. Luke, have you ever had a piece of clothing that you referred to as your lucky blank or that you felt gave you superpower or luck? Do I look like a man who is just swimming in an ocean of luck? <laughs> Based on what you know about me, would you say that luck has been a companion? I mean, yes, of course, in some ways it has, but no, um, I don't. I don't have okay. like these are my lucky shoelaces. No, uh, hard work, grit, oh, wow, determination, wow. fuck face. 
I mean, those look, are the backbones of success. Okay. Once again, Luke, just like the MK curse, uh, people aren't being like fully literal. Like it's more of a mental thing. You have something that happened to yeah, have it's given a mental you crutch. Success. Yes. I don't need that or organized religion. I'm good to go for oh, now. Wow. Well, you'll find out what you need at the end of the life, Luke. Hopefully I'll be there to pull you out of the ditch. Uh, we'll tell you I had in uh, from 1998 to about 2002, I had a lucky orange sweater. It was just a regular wool sweater, Luke. But I overachieved in college hookups with that sweater. And I mean, one time at, at Seton Hall, there was a there was a Jennifer Love Hewitt dead ringer, Luke. And, uh, you know, remember we talked about fumbling on the goal line? You know, mm -hmm. I was in position to win, Luke. And, of course, I, you know, botched it horrendously. But uh, that lucky orange sweater, I even wore it to New York City in 2001 when I tried out for the ESPN Sports Trivia Game Show two-minute drill, of which I – appeared on and 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 won the tryout luke wearing the lucky orange sweater now i tried to wear the lucky orange sweater to my actual episode that was filmed but at the last minute they're like no you can't wear that bright orange thing and they went out and got me like a suit jacket and a shirt to put on but um and you lost like a bitch well that that's a story for another day if i can get a working vcr i can produce the video of me on espn's two minute drill luke we should we could do mk could you really i would day. fucking love I mean, actually it's pretty cool i would love to see that yeah yeah it was a, it was like a one-on-one -on -one trivia show you remember that show with kenny main as the host i remember the name and i remember all these kinds of shows but i couldn't tell you i remember the only one i really remember was stump the schwab yeah, that was Stump this was after was, that. Or this was before. This is kind of, this, for folks who don't know what Stump the Schwab is, Schwab was this big fat loser nerd it was, who was kind of like Chat GPT. You got to like the head researcher at him. ESPN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Yeah. He was probably a nice guy. I'm being a dick, you know. All right. Uh, oh, I missed Mikey. Mikey wanted to know if uh, if Marab versus Cejudo would become the new title fight if Aljo vacates. Well, Cejudo's got to beat Cheeto. Cheeto, right? I mean, yeah, if he beats Cheeto, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, Luke, that lucky orange sweater, by the way, many mm -hmm. hookups in that thing, many hookups in it. Luke, is that why I have does an that, orange Does that today? mean you do like practicing with autoerotic asphyxiation in the back of a 7 Eleven parking lot? Does that is that why I have an orange car and an orange wallet today, Luke? Okay, yes, <laughs> I wore orange flip flops to drop off my son this morning, Luke. I'm, I'm telling you, it's it's the luck continues. Let's go over to at El Dorito 41014. Uh, do you think McGregor's next fight does less than 1 million pay-per-view buys? Ooh. He's been out of the game for a long time with lots of controversy, Twitter rambles, and no one being interested in tough. It seems like fans and casuals are a bit sick of Connor. With the rise of illegal streaming, I can only see him doing 800,000-ish. That is a good question in the, in the current landscape. But let's remember, Tank versus Ryan Garcia just did what? 1.2 million, and it was a big win. A big win. And that fight seven years ago probably would have done, you know, a million and a half, a million six or seven. What does Connor versus Chandler do on pay-per-view in February, Luke? Tell me. Tell me the truth here. I don't think it's in any way a get. I'll say this. It's 100% not a given that it does a million. Like, no chance. I don't think he is. It's like the public awareness of him has not gone down, BC. So in that sense, his fame hasn't waned. But the appetite for it, while still clearly very high, it's just, you know, the in, like dude, people were enamored with Connor, you know, with this sort of feverish kind of thing for a while. We're past that a little bit. So, I mean, don't, be, don't get me wrong. He's still a huge star. It would do big numbers. Of course, it's also opponent dependence. So you're asking about Chandler. What do you say, BC? I would say between 5 and 750, something like that. Yeah. Now, he has fought in the streaming era, for sure, Luke. That cowboy comeback, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now, which was in 2020, did 1.35 estimated paper million estimated paper yeah but buys. that was what fresh back from i mean that was the first fight back from the sure. weather fight i'm just yeah, trying I mean, to i'm just trying time. to set the stage here the second poirier fight from 2021 in january reportedly based on estimations did a million and a half and according to wikipedia luke i don't know if this is true they're saying yeah the i don't third... know where these numbers jose who's sourcing these numbers um let me click on the thing here uh yeah this was mma junkie was an estimation on the 1.5 for McGregor Poirier 2. McGregor Poirier 3, July of 21. We were there. According to this, it's saying 1.8 million. No, fuck That's no. MMA, and they're referencing an MMA junkie story on... on uh, Send me that story. 
I don't believe that. There's no chance it did that. Yeah, I'll send it to you in our free time. But the, my, look, Connor has fought in the streaming era, though, right? He already has. Yes. yes. But the question, I think the spirit of this question really is how much has the losing mixed with the bad headlines, mixed with this current state now where it's like, is he just strung out on drugs and not trying? Is he on roids? And that's why he's not coming back. Like, what the hell is going on? That has to contribute to a decline of some degree. But eight, eight to nine hundred, if it's promoted right, still feels right. But yeah, will it be? Will it be promoted right? Again, Connor, do Connor's press- not so Connor, dude, Connor's not so washed. You couldn't do big numbers. That's not what I'm saying at all. But like, I mean, dude, like the flame on this fight, it's not extinguished, but it is. I mean, it is yeah. flickering, right? It's it flickering. flickering. Um, but I, I mean, they don't do press tours anymore, Luke. Right? They don't do like the kind of no. things they used to. To to, to what, drum they up, they don't need, they don't need to. Pay per view is still important, but it's not what it once was. They don't they just don't need to. It's this is what I mean. It's like, dude, no one's kicking them in the ass to make them do extra shit. And so it's like, I'm getting slap fucking emails from the PR people. It's like, <laughs> this is what you're yeah. spending your time doing. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got two more questions here, Luke. This is good time, right? Good time, great oldies. No, chickity bang bang. Uh, this is from at Johnny. One three eight. What's your number one search query on for on pornography sites? What's your number one search query? Uh sorry, Luke. Johnny one thirty eight one thirty eight has a question. Hey Donks, in the spirit of holiday and celebration of the greatest country on earth, would love for each of you to create a concert of four to five bands or solo acts, living or dead, to create the greatest concert of all time. Can only imagine the garbo, the garbage BC will be picking. Mine would include, according to Johnny here, Elvis as the headliner, Robert Johnson, and Beethoven below him. Thanks for all the content. Who the fuck wants to go to that? And Luke, rip a mean vape hit for your day one, donks. Johnny from Tampa. Luke's, Luke will vape when he wants to, first of all. Johnny. Yeah, I don't have my vape, uh, my marijuana vape on Isn't me Isn't there a, a super concert going around right now with like GNR, Metallica, and all these other people on the same card? Did I make that up? Did I see that on social media? Well, GNR used to tour with Metallica. No, I think it's uh, it's Metallica and somebody else. But Metallica's doing some stuff with Pantera, I know. When I'm seeing Pantera in September, it's just they're headlining, so it's not that. But um, I mean, the, the I, living or dead part I hate because then you're like, okay, uh, the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Miles Davis, like, you know, you can go crazy with it. Yeah, but it's Luke, like you can't ask a question like that. Like, who is this for? Like, you know, the biggest audience. But like, you just you can't just assemble random shit like that. There has okay, to be. Let me ask you even this. even Jose, you, we, we lived through what was the big one? F- feed the world in the 80s, like um, Live Aid. Remember Live Aid? Yeah, Live Aid. Even yeah. then, the, even then, the, the that was the unifying force. There was a message behind it there was something there you need something to kind of anchor it all otherwise it's just disparate acts it doesn't mean all right let, how about the anchor is a festival and what i mean by that is you know 15 10 15 years ago luke i attended bonnaroo and austin city limits festival and they're awesome right and you either camp there or you get a hotel and all that and you you can't wait to see the lineup right and it's usually like you know are the of the of the top five or six bands you know is there at least three or four that would put you there let's say they create some new coachella tomorrow and they say luke thomas for your own musical taste give me four acts to headline it what would be the thing that would would get you out of your seat standing front row in a crowd of ninety thousand people in front of the stage what four bands right now that are living that could do this okay i'm not talking about a beatles reunion i'm talking about right now who are you picking mighty mighty boss tones <laughs> yeah right you're like uh jedi mind tricks vinnie paz uh oh yeah keep Apathy, going here we go and mm-hmm. uh cannibal corpse there you go right dude i don't think of music in these ways i don't i i know that you're like it, it, i don't know how to explain this to you like i don't have a relationship with my music i enjoy in a, any kind of public way it's tr- strictly a personal like you know how like uh part of like uh the protestant reform i don't know if it came from the protestant reformation but part of religious reformation in this country was that initially it was believed that only clergy could be your guiding force to god and then eventually you could have it was clear to them that you could have a personal relationship and you did not need the intermediary although it served other functions um it's sort of like that with me like when i think about like the task of who would you put up for ninety thousand other people i'm like I don't think about nine other people, much less 90. That's not the way in which I interpret this. This is like what it does to me, for me, in my life, 
in a very personal way. Like, so when people are like, Oh, I don't like that. Or that's not for me. I can't really judge that. I mean, if I, I get that that's, I'm not intending it for a broader audience in any way at all. Uh, so Luke, no one's asking for this type of breakdown from you. They just want to know what four <laughs> bands could headline a festival that would get you the most excited right now. I mean, what the hell's wrong with you? What like, this, I, do, what is, a fest, I don't need, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to answer this question. It's like a weird way to pose. Like, you're like what I bands, like is not what like, other people I, like. We know you're that. Like, well, you're like, which bands would you need to make you uh Lomo Saltado in your kitchen while someone else makes you a coffee? It's like, I don't need them for that. That doesn't solve right, me any kind can, of problems. We can end the show. I guess if this is the direction. <laughs> we're I don't, I don't mean wow. to like, here I am stonewalling the question. Like, um, Okay, certainly you could do Metallica. I think that's a big festival band at this point, right? The headlining one, right? This is for you. This is for you, the fan. That would get you the most excited. We're not, we don't care about anybody else. It's your festival. It's the Luke Thomas, Coachella, Bonnaroo, uh, Woodstock, okay? It's Ultima. And guess what? Okay. You're the one I just that's want to be clear. Nothing I'm going to say is going to draw 90,000 people. I just want to point that out, okay? Um, in it's that not the event, spirit of the question, that's not the spirit of the question, you weirdo. Pick the four bands you'd be so excited to see at a festival at once. What's wrong with you? Pantera, obviously, okay. that's a given. Pantera, okay, but they're not alive for the most part, right? Yeah, they are. They're touring. I mean, two of them are, you know, it's a 50 right, 50 proposition, right. you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one of them happened to get murdered on stage, you know. Hey, it is what if what it Matt is. Brown just fills in for Dimebag, right? Yeah, I'd be sized. I'd go to that okay. shit. Yeah, okay. I go to that. Okay. All right. So there's that one. That's a good side. That's your easy win. That's your big time win. Um, beyond that, fuck me, dude. I really don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't uh, know. Cannibal I've Corpse, seen... maybe? Maybe. Dude, yeah, you could do that. They, they they headline certain festivals, but like, dude, that is a rough show, man. That's a rough show. That's like a tough fucking outing. That's that's like that's hardcore sparring, you know. Um, okay. um I'm trying to think like in my th- like yeah dude i don't know i don't know how to an- i really don't know how to answer that question i don't have i don't have that kind of relationship with Looks the music like, to be fair i don't really like music that's why i'm a big metal fan that's why uh is that it know, i'm a big metal it, fan dude. because i don't actually like music uh mikey is saying 1997 lip biscuit so the venue just burns down around you maybe you're into oh that, you know maybe? who i saw that was fucking great was rage rage against the machine they yeah. killed it and i saw them at the 2000 hf festival so you can add them to the list you know who else was great uh system of a down they're not my favorite band by interest here, here are just some bands i've seen that put on really good shows how about that system of a down for another night can I get we can fly the armenian flag armenian time yeah yeah Let's and then it. last but not least uh it would not be the wu-tang clan because i saw them with rage and they were horrendous you know what, BC? What's that? Because black, Luke? Is that what's going on here? No, dude. There was 50,000 of them on stage talking over each other. They were all drunk and high. It was awful. Uh, Guns and Roses. I saw, I'm not even a GNR guy, dude. I've seen them now three times because of my wife. Dude, that show is just one of the best shows I've ever seen. Just pound for pound. Amazing. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Thank you very much for, for fielding that question. We've got one more for you here. Thank you, Johnny from Tampa. Hopefully your Elvis and Robert Johnson and Beethoven concert works out great in your mind. Uh, let's go to at Maiku Midioria. Uh, when was the last time either of you got into some sort of physical altercation with another person? What caused it and how did it end? fast I got so we're not talking anything in the gym right like that's completely out right yeah we're talking about um, a, like a schoolyard fight a street fight a bar fight like when was the last time <laughs> the last time god i can't even really re- <sighs> jesus dude my 20s were filled with them um the last time i was in a physical altercation what does shouting match count not really right like get people I mean, getting in each other's face like that. Yeah. When we, okay. When was the last time you were close to one? Then what do you got? Shouting um, match with another the person. The day after my wife gave birth, I had a, I had a not a road rage incident, but I had a face to face with a guy. Um, Why? Because he Why? was trying to, he tried to, he tried to cut me off by running a red. Uh, did you and threaten I was, to go third world on him? I did not threaten to go third world, although that is the, I mean, that's the zing of all zings. Uh, I think it was when my buddy had was between tours and uh was visiting me and um he got into a fight in a popular neighborhood called adams morgan and beat the living fuck out of a guy and i had to pull him off and grab another friend who was fighting someone else and uh we had to race out there before the cops got there so 
that was a bad one. That was one of those ones where I was like, we, I can't keep living my life this way. You know, I, I can't, there might've been another one past that. Um, well, Luke, as an adult now, it's just not worth it unless somebody's putting hands on your family. Right. I mean, you know, you don't want to get stabbed over an argument or a road rage incident or a whatever. Right. Or also, do you not agree? Also, you, someone agree? Put hands, you know, someone could put hands on my brother. I'm like, am I really going <laughs> to, you're like, you're like somebody could not pay rent at my dad's rental property in Las Vegas, but I'm not getting down there and figuring it out for him. Yeah, I get you, yeah. Luke. Luke. I'm I'm a lover. I'm not a fighter. I don't I don't get into fist fights, Luke. I mean, I've thrown a drunken punch or two, not connecting, didn't go anywhere. I've uh, certainly been punched at certain times in my life when I've deserved it, but uh, um, yeah, I don't have great stories for you, Luke. I don't have the bar brawls that you were a part of in your life. You know, BC, I didn't go away to college. I I'm not going to read this. I'm not going to read this, but there is a request from Mikey to tell a particular story. Would you tell that particular story? Oh, pick up basketball. He wants to know. So I've gotten people close to throwing punches at me in pick up basketball. And I was prepared for the reality of it, but you know, it didn't escalate further. I mean, look, that's, that's how I compete. I'm, I'm not afraid to get people to the point of losing their shit. If I feel them losing their shit will give me some type of advantage that I don't have because I can't jump and I'm not quick. And I really can't shoot. And I'm really not all that skilled, Luke, but I'm a smart passer. I'm a great pick setter. I can rebound the shit out of things. And, you know, at the end of the day, Luke, I've played a lot of basketball against people that are better than me. And sometimes being, as Mikey just said, being a mental warrior is my one up. I mean, to me, I've always believed what happens in between the lines on a court, whether it's your best friends or people you've never met, it stays there, dude. Right. Stays there. It should, but it never does. There's so many fights okay. on the fucking YMCA basketball courts of old guys tearing their ACLs and trying to fist fight. It's the saddest shit on earth. The last time I was close or at least prepared for one was probably about 10 years ago. I was moving out of an apartment and my kids were really small and I was uh, I had to break the lease to get out because it, it wasn't a good situation. We needed to go somewhere different. And the neighbors were crazy. It was whatever. But the neighbors, Luke, were related to the landlord. So when the landlord came to, like, inspect it, he started accusing me of um, of breaking things that I didn't to try to, like, add money on the situation. And then he started to act tough. So the dude's, like, 55, but he was big and jacked. And he, like, he, he owned, like, a factory. And he was, like, this – he was from another country, Luke. I mean, he was this Polish dude who was ready to go if necessary. And – um he we got into an argument over the money and over the accusations which were untrue of things he said i broke and he started to mouth off about my wife randomly and i stepped forward and got into his face and said this will be the last time you'll mention my wife's name and luke i balled up the fist with the right hand now he was older than me but he was a lot bigger and stronger than me and i was just thinking if he throws the right hand i'm going to slip it hit him once and then see what happens next luke what do you think would happen you would have broken your wrist throwing that horrendous punch you had. I don't think so. I don't. This was like, this was like 2010. So that's like, that's a lot younger. B. That's like 32 year old BC. Okay. Well, Look, maybe. I bet you. I bet you. You know, I I, I figured out quickly he was right handed. I bet you I could have slipped that with ease and countered him quick, and then I was ready to go to the ground if I had to. But um, that was probably the last time I got in somebody's face and said to myself, um, "This could this could go south, but I'm ready for it, Luke." Okay. I yeah, I haven't had one of those in a long time. I haven't had one of those in a long time. I was fighting for my family's honor, Luke. All right. Also, because you know, you like you're destined for jail one way or the other, aren't you? No, no. <laughs> I try. I try to do right by people for the most part. Except jail is long. terrifying, is it not? It's terrifying. Yeah. Like the prospect of spending your life there. It's like, wow, I really don't want to do that. That's that seems awful. I mean, the prospect of spending one night there, Luke, has been usually enough for me to not enter into those territories. Although, you know, we've all done some dumb shit that we probably should have gotten caught for and, you know, and, and have our lives ruined. I mean, look, when you look back for all like your dumbest shit, you're so lucky you didn't get handled. And then like it was put in the local newspaper and then you're just you're just scarlet lettered the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was one time I was uh using marijuana in a park at night because this was a, this was a long time ago and uh, i think i'd been on the marine corps maybe like a year or two or something like that and uh and cops rolled up on me and they didn't arrest me but they detained me and um 
they were like, what are you doing here? I was like smoking weed. And they're like, okay, can you go smoke weed in a different park? And I was like, why? They're like, so we're an anti-gang unit and this is where the gangs hang out and we're waiting to catch one of them. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go now. <laughs> they're yeah, like, what the fuck? Yeah. They, asked, they asked me like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. I'm probably not going to make this mistake anymore. I was at a, uh, I was at a fish. No, I was at a fish concert in like Vermont or something. Where was I? And a guy next to me was smoking hash, Luke, which I Ooh. guess by the technical definition, you can get charged with like heroin possession if you get caught with that, right? By the base. Yeah, I'm not sure how that works, but it is different than weed. Yeah. It is different. And, um, and he threw it under the car as they approached and searched us. And, uh, I felt like that was a, a bullet dodging right there. That was a big moment. That was a big bullet dodging, right? Dude, I picked up my friend after he got a DUI. I had to bail him out of jail, and I picked him up. And then when he got in the car, he was all sad and quiet. And I was like, do you uh, do you need a ride to the liquor store now? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Gotcha, bitch. Yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. Uh, that's That's Georgia for you, Luke. No, that was Georgia. Virginia. That was Virginia. Oh yeah, yeah. Virginia is for lovers, Luke, and that's what I am. Thank you. Yeah. That's the like, mail like, like the clip said. Like the clip said, uh, Virginia is for lovers, but trust this hate here for out of towners. How about that? Yeah, there you go, um, Luke. You're one of my. Um, well, you're not even from Virginia. You're from India. I'm sorry, Luke. That went nowhere. That went nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. You you brought your A material. You had all of the uh, you had all of the enthusiasm of a 19 year old tasked with accompanying his father on a Titanic submarine expedition. You know. <laughs> <laughs> hey dad can we stop at burger king on the way home please yeah 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 there you go i mean people the food, the food in it. the food in london and tokyo is inedible we got to go to burger king yeah 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 the the look you know people perished in that so did dale jr on turn four so maybe we can maybe we can show some respect all these years later Listen, all right? they died painless deaths may, may we all be so lucky in that in that sense anyway yeah i hope to die in my sleep like a like a real man does luke that's the best way you can do it Dude, you're gonna die on like a fucking backyard barbecue. Someone's gonna run over you with a four wheeler or some shit. Well, I always felt I was destined for an Elvis exit, Luke, on the throne. Just fall over <laughs> on the throne, pantsless. No, dude, you're gonna you're gonna be so much worse. You're gonna fall off of your roof and like impale yourself on some yeah. kind of garden gnome in the so, front yard. You know, this may not surprise you, Luke, but I've fallen off of a ladder three times since I've owned this house, and I've owned this house for six years. And uh, the guy that lived here before me left behind a really monstrously big ladder. But the the the, the base of it that hit that you foot on the ground was like broken and off angles. And, you know, I would still like an idiot go out there and clean the gutters uh, with the thing like, you know, swaying and barely. And look, I've, I've taken some like 20 foot falls off of that. That's not a, You know, that's not a, I'm not proud of that. Yeah, that's less than ideal. We, we should go now, though. All right. I don't want to do this anymore. Thank you, Mike Mormile, for being our uh, spirit guide on this. Thomas, your boy, BC, uh, America, guys, right? We're almost 200 years old, right? Or 300. Where are we at? How old's America, Luke? Yes, almost 200, BC. That's exactly right. That's where it's at. I think we, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, would you have anything uh, to say to all of our international uh, guests who are like, what is this July 4th bullshit? Yeah, that's your cue. That's your QBC. Can we can we end it now? Is that a, am I on fire? All right, Luke, we got to go. I got to figure out why this house is on fire. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>